And welcome back to the Outside Centre Film Podcast. It's been a hell of a long month, Ben, because uh, now I'm about to ask you how you thought the Oscars went. Uh, um, I, I, I can't remember how the Oscars went. Well, exactly. Neither can I. And we, we deliberately ignored all of that. However, we will pass comment on the foreign language Oscar winner. One Thomas Vinterberg, finally. Yes. Yes. Uh, he, he basically admitted that he thought he thought he would get this at some point. Hence why he was practicing Oscar speeches in toilets, train stations and the like. Yeah. Um, one in a train station. I, I mean, I suppose that's what happens when you when you do make Danish films. But then you very clearly network in Hollywood as well, which is what he's obviously done with some questionable films. <laughs> we, everyone loves it. It's all about love. It's the best film. Everyone, loves, everyone pretends to hate it's all about love, but everyone actually does not mind it. Uh, of course, yeah. So there we go. I mean, hearty congratulations. And how can I not be pleased? No. Um, this, for me, is very much a career Oscar. And I yep. want to treat it as such. He made Festen. Yep. He made Submarino. He made The Hunt. Yeah. Like Those three are Oscar-worthy quality films for me. Yeah. Uh, for various different reasons. One for art, one for storytelling and art. And... And, and yeah, and probably the other one for storytelling and art as well. Yeah. So, um, no, very, very pleased for him. Um, obviously, he would have preferred to have won in happier circumstances oh, God, without, yeah. without having lost a family member and everything. But And that may have helped his case. But what also may have helped his case is, of course, the fact that I can finally put to rest that the Hunt didn't win an Oscar because it <laughs> lost out to the great beauty, La Grande <laughs> Belletza. Um, and I, I, I do wonder whether the Academy had any regret over that decision. Oh, really, they'll never admit it because they never do. But I not, just wonder whether they had some regret. No, 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 not even a bean of regret. I think they're fine. They were sleeping soundly in their beds because and, of, because he's now won one, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. Just like Hanukkah's now won one, despite the fact that his best film didn't win one. Maybe, like, maybe, maybe like that. I don't know. It's like giving Scorsese an Oscar for The Departed. I mean, yeah, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, yeah, please. Um, anyway, very, very nicely done. It, the film did deserve it. I know I had slightly different feelings towards Better Days. And you were all in on Kuvadis Ada. Yeah. But uh, no, let's be fair. Another round. Was the best film. Yeah. It, it was screaming Oscar and a few little personal things that I didn't get on with it. It's an Oscar film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so yes, congratulations to congratulations to the maker of uh, Festen, Submarino, The Hunt and uh, some dubious English language films has now got an Oscar in his cabinet. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's great news. And great news for De- Denmark as well, of course. Um, who are I think I read an article where they are literally one of the most successful foreign language countries for that Oscar ever now. Damn. Com- percentages of how much they got nominated and how much they win, I think it's very, very high. Yeah. I, think been, I think they've been on the list seven or eight times and they won at least five times. They, so, they, uh, they do very well for a tiny little country, like globally, in, in general, out, outside of the Oscars, just in terms of film and TV success. They do terribly well for a small country with a small population. That's exactly right. Um, and also, let, let's, I mean, we've, ju- we've just obviously briefly mentioned a bunch of his films that were, were successful. It just goes to show, you too can make an atrocious Far From The Madding Crowd nomination. <laughs> I mean, not harm your career at all. I mean, what a dreadful... Literally his worst English language I, I, film probably ever. I never went there. There's, there's I no... went to the cinema to watch that. Oh, God, why? <laughs> I can see. No, I can't. No, no you no, can't. No. You, you, you really can't understand it. Like I don't even go to the cinema. I don't. I don't like Thomas Vinterberg English language films apart from one. Like, give oh. me. Why did I? What was I thinking? What was I expecting to happen? Hilarious. Hilarity ensued. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
Proud. Maybe me funding him via that gave him the motivation to go do another round. Maybe. Yes. Of course it did. Right. So me and you got on a plane. Yeah. We went to Toulouse in France. Uh-huh. We were literally about to order our garlic baguettes. Uh-huh. And then we saw some Latin American street dancers knocking around. And we thought, this is somewhat interesting, if not a bit culturally inappropriate. Uh-huh. And that's because we attended Cine Latino Festival, which I've never heard before. Nope. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I want to go to again. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it uh, because it's a little random film festival in France that covers all of uh, Central and Latin American cinema and also South. Um, yeah. So the entire continent of South and Central America, basically. So we've got four films to talk about, and I can guarantee that we're not going to like the same one this week. I've got a feeling about that. Okay, this is okay. Are you going all in on this? Uh, I'm going all in on okay. on this. So, I, uh, well, I mean, we'll see. We have surprised each other far far many more times previously. Yeah. But I've just got a feeling this time. We shall see. Okay. So we've got, as I say, we've got films from all over the shop, uh, Central and South America, courtesy of France. And here we go with our first one, which is. A film title film. Yeah. 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach. Uh, a Mexican film directed by first-time director Jorge Cuchi. Mm. Cuchi, I guess. Mm. Not sure how you say that. Uh, and, and it need not be said, really, but it's worth repeating. You like lighting. Yes. And I like film titles. Yep. <laughs> there was a Costa Rican film that I really wanted to see that was called Aurora that I changed my mind on simply because we did the finished film Aurora last year on the podcast, myself and Paul did. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, believe me, what, what, what my other pick in this podcast, I really wish I just chose Aurora now. But anyway, <laughs> I can't do nothing about it now. We, 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 we went on the plane, did the festival and come <laughs> home again. Um, so, yes, whereas 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach is a hell of a title. I've never heard of a film like that before, and there'll never be a film called that ever again. Aurora, there's probably going to be 88 other films in life called Aurora at some yeah. point, this is pre unique. and post to this podcast. Um, so, as I say, film title, if you've got an interesting theme title on Filmmakers of the World, if any of you are listening, you've got half a chance of me picking it. But it's all well and good having a film title like this. If it doesn't actually make sense why it's called that. Uh, and it makes perfect sense early on why this film is called. 50 mm. or two whales meet on the beach when we learn of two Mexican teenagers, Elisa and Felix, who are both part of a social network group uh, who has an administrator uh, who runs the group that sets a number of challenges involving self-harm and hurting other people. Yeah. <laughs> All the way, starting at number 45, which is where the film begins, we end up at challenge 50. Uh, and in challenge 50, the point is for you to kill yourself. And if you don't do that, then your family gets killed instead. Mm-hmm. I believe that's how it's supposed to go. You and now, mm. yeah, and you, you and the family as well. Yeah, uh, and it's done by some sort of mafia group or something. Yes, yeah, so um, possibly Russian, but no one knows. No one knows. Uh, it doesn't quite happen. But uh, anyway, there's a the interesting thing about Mexican Mexican movies for me, Ben, is that they always telegraph themselves. Like, mm. whereas so many other countries don't get away with being boring and predictable. Mm-hmm. The Mexicans, for me, pretty much always do get away with it. Mm. Uh, After Lucia, for me, was a film that I absolutely adore, despite the fact that it's extremely obvious early on that the father is going to kill the bullies of her daughter. Yep. Like the, 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 they, and they do not deviate from that at all. So the next two hours and ten minutes is him basically on his way to murdering the bullies of his daughter. And then This film sets everything up for you, and it does not deviate from that. And no. not only does it not deviate it, it doesn't hold anything back. 
And I'll come on to that in a minute, which is why I quite like the film. Yeah. There's a slight twist, and I mean slight, with regards to who the administrator of this social network group is. I won't that... call it WhatsApp. It's very clearly not WhatsApp, but just for ease of use, it's WhatsApp, but it yeah. isn't. It's some sort of other mixture, one of those fake ones that I haven't got the license to use. It's a very so... early reveal twist as well. Yeah. Um, it's like 12 minutes in. Like, yeah, exactly. It, I, I mean, yeah, as I say, it does not... Tele- it does not not telegraph itself. It's very obvious from minute one to minute last what's going to happen in this movie. Um, and it's also quite obvious that, for example, one of the characters that gets introduced later on, uh, Elisa's dad, mm. uh, Oswaldo, mm. uh, is a rather unsavoury character, really. And it, it is quite obvious. Or is he? Well, I mean, it, for me, it's quite obvious that he is. It's quite obvious what he's done in the past. Okay. Um, so that's uh, that's the thing. And again, the film doesn't try to hide that either. Anyway, so yeah. it's predictable all the way through, pretty much. And yet, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. To the point where it's my film of the month. <gasps> because God. when it showed me everything, I really enjoyed. And maybe it's just maybe it's just the mood I'm in. Maybe it's because I'm a bit warped. But yeah. it shows you self-harm. It shows you people getting shot that one of the challenges is. It shows lots of wrists being cut. It's all very, very well made. Yes, it's, it's, incre- it's incredibly well made. <laughs> and very, very, therefore, as it should be, and which is why I'm a normal person, uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, what, what else can I really say? It is a film about what I said it is. It is a film where there is lots of death and there is, you know, self-mutilation and all sorts of things going on here. Yep. It's in this movie. It doesn't change from that. You know what you're going to get at every single stage. And yet... You know, I enjoyed it. It's the not, characters. Yeah, the, it's the characters. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, characters, dislikable. The, you, you can't like these people. These are essentially bad people that do bad things yeah. for no real sensible reason other than their own kind of just a boredom, yep. amusement. Yep. Um, the fact that they've probably almost certainly both got mental issues. I mean, that goes without saying with the stuff they get up to in this movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough, it's a tough one to to justify. This is gonna a lot of people are gonna hate this film. But uh, what one th- basically, I, I always watch the films in the order that we agree to do them in. Uh-huh. And I just basically with this movie, I simply couldn't get it out of my head whether this film glorifies suicide or not. That's the sticking point for me. The that's literally the only sticking point. I genuinely think we could have an entire podcast dedicated to this film and whether it, ju- and it whether it glorifies suicide or not. Mm. There's, there's stuff that proves that it does and there's stuff that proves that it doesn't. Mm. Now, if it did, and this film, and it, well, I, I'm leaning towards it does. Mm. Now, if the wider public were to get their, heart, their, their eyes on this, this is going to upset a lot of people. Yep. It's yep. going to, I mean, never mind just religious Catholic Christian people or, or people of any religion where they just don't approve of such a thing. It's going to upset a lot of people. Yeah. So that makes me think, right, this has gone to a film festival, albeit a little one in France. That's not going to get the same thing that it would do if it was Cannes or anywhere else in Europe or the world for that matter. So, yes. yeah. Is it glorifying that? It, yeah. We're going, to, we're going to be talking about this for a bit anyway. Mm-hmm. So I head over to you for your opinions before we get stuck into that. Yeah. So just to touch on thing, two things that stuck out to me that you haven't mentioned yet. This is also my film of the month, 50 or two worlds meet on the beach. Um, the performances from the young leads I thought were extremely good, yeah. particularly Felix, 
the young male lead and it's it's not as we will find out very soon it's not my usual bag to enjoy the central young male lead performance in a movie i tend to find them just a bit kind of um annoying or underwhelming but felix hits every note perfectly um it's an amazing performance yeah he's very inarticulate as well he doesn't have a massive vocabulary pretty much all he ever says is like good okay and yes throughout the entire movie um he's kind of like a blank slate Whereas um, the girl in this relationship, Elisa, she she does all of the talking while Felix just kind of stands around staring at things, breaking promises and saying things he doesn't really believe in. Um, I loved it for that reason. I also loved it because this this is the best split screen I've seen for a very, very long time. I I thought I was going to leave that to you. um, It's not a normal split uh, split screen. We've all seen split screens in films before. Um, this one has it running side by side. You have one of the characters speaking to her parents, for yep. example, yep. and then Felix is having a conversation with his parents on the other screen, and it's happening at both the same time. Yep. But you've got to, you got to begin with. You've got to fumble your way through what the hell is going on. So when yep. they introduce a split screen, I thought one side is Felix and the other side is his mother because he's having a conversation with his mother. It's just a close-up of fingers tearing apart chicken and removing the skin and pulling the flesh apart. But it's not. It's Elisa talking to her parents. And then the film keeps doing this over and over again, showing you simultaneously um, what these two people are doing in their respective homes and also kind of highlighting the difference in those two homes, the different lives these two kids live. Felix is not a rich person. Elisa comes from a much more well-off, middle-class kind of background. You see them in school, you see their their homes, um, you see everything at the same time. Um, what does this give the film? I don't know, it, it, but it's fantastic seeing these two young people at exactly the same time. Yeah. It's not until much later on that <clears throat> them doing things at the same time actually becomes kind of plot important, as in contacting the administrator to let them know about the success of a task. That is not a kind of a major plot point till later. So up until that, Point, you're just kind of watching these two teens live their lives yep. side by side unaware of what the other person is going through and it's just really compelling it's really really it well done. Yep. this film makes a choice about how to cover a scene every time <clears throat> it doesn't do the standard kind of and and now you're close up and now you're close up and now cut back to the wide and now here's the establishing and it covers every scene from one particular perspective sticks with it all the way through to the end and then does it in split screen as well take that i, I recall that split screen happening three or four times yeah and the first one was very very ropey yeah um the, the timing was a little off um you had people talking over each other which is fine if you understand spanish um yeah. but when you're trying to read two sets of subtitles <laughs> i think the first one is deliberately confusing could have been um, but, 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 but but number three and number four are actually perfect like yes. i thought maybe maybe in the editing room, it was even harder to do. That. I don't know. I thought the editing room would be the easiest part of it. But anyway, um, it, it, yeah, but two, three, and four are, are are far more easier to get on with as a concept. And actually, yeah. you kind of wish for a bit more, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but then then things turn after an hour, and they start to see each other a lot more. So there's no need for a split, split screen anymore because yeah. they're essentially together all the time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, really, really, really enjoyed this film. I, yep. th- my one sticking point is, does it glorify suicide? I kept coming back to this time and yep. time. Again. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what that says about us as well. I mean, that's, uh, I, I, that's very naughty of the director to bring that up. <laughs> Maybe that's, again, it's all <laughs> deliberate. I, 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 think, I think you're right. Everything in this is deliberately done in a certain way. Mm. Um, and I think he's asking us the question, well, 
yeah. and, and, my, and my answer it probably does glorify suicide to be completely honest it, yeah. it very clearly does because you've got the issue of these people are not they are very as you say fantastic performances very engaging on screen mm. um very uncomfortable they bring i was expecting you to say this film was a massive bummer no uh, and 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 the reason it's not a massive bummer was because of a shifting tone that happens halfway through. Yeah, there's an isolationism that takes place in the first half of this film, and then after that, there's a lot more togetherness. Hence, the split screen not being needed to be used, and around each other's houses a bit more. Or rather, Felix goes to her house a lot more. Yeah. Um, it there is, a, and this is probably my favourite thing in the film. There is a, sw- a shifting tone here, as mm. they head towards the grisly end of these challenges. Things mm. get more sadist as, as they go along. 45, 46, 47 are pretty much nothing. Mm. Yeah. Then 48 onwards, 49, they, that's when it, people actually start getting hurt with yeah. it. Other people. Uh, we won't spoil it because I think we're both recommending this movie. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, they're amazingly shot set pieces, really dramatic, very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, but the shift in tone, it's almost as if them two just become happier knowing that the end's coming, which is not a surprise, yeah. bearing in mind that that's what they've signed up to. But that, even when even when there's a reveal of the twist, which happens a lot earlier than we're, than we're saying it does, mm. Felix's reactions to that is very much doesn't change anything. No, completely blank. Yeah, yep. no response. Nothing. He nothing gets a response out of him ever. Um, he 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 just he's quiet and passive and goes along with everything all the time. He never. I mean, this film him. this film basically wants you to hate these characters, mm. which is which is understandable with what they do. Mm. But he also wants wants you, for them to be happy. Yes, yes. It and does. the only reason they're going to be happy is to undertake challenge fifty, which yeah. and that's the point. That's the point where well, if the only reason they're going to be happy is to go and kill themselves, then that that's going to await all of us. The mm. only reason any Mexican teenager is going to be happy is if they top themselves. That yeah. is the debate. And it, it doesn't even it doesn't even come into the the idea of being manipulated by no. Now administrator that's that's not a conversation no absolutely not and you'll find out why when you watch the film you mentioned earlier the osvaldo thing that whole thing is that's entirely we we never see anything that tells us the truth of that we're just going along with what we're told which is very much in line with the kind of the online internet experience absolutely it's the game they're playing they just go along with what they're taught yeah told a thing and then you believe a thing and and we the audience are told something about one of the central characters, and it's it's up to you whether you believe it or not because you you see no evidence, one way or the other. Um, that that whole the last twenty twenty minutes twenty five minutes of this film, very difficult to blink. Um, yeah, difficult to take your eyes away. It's, it's compelling beyond belief. Um, it's all done in these these kind of like very very tense long takes where like you say you know where everything's going but i think the 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 um the win here is that you know where it's going but you don't know how it's going to get there or you don't know how they're going to cover the film in terms of how they're going to get there so that that last 25 minutes you know everything's going to happen but wow (laughs) wow it's, it's worth repeating this is a, this is a divisive film but yeah. i'd like to think that if people listen to us that when we recommend things it's for the right reasons so yeah, yeah parking aside all the doubts that we have about the morality of it all <laughs> yeah, yeah it, <laughs> this it, is yeah, yeah gripping compelling is exactly right now props ben 
Okay, yeah, yeah. You mentioned props. Which prop? I mentioned props off air. Now I'm the prop master. I do the prop rankings. You yeah. do smoke and the smoking rankings. So yeah. we're, we'll we'll hit you up later on in the episode about those. Okay. There are two key props in this film. One of them is going to is going to be in my top three for the end of the year if this film makes it, or even if it doesn't, the prop rankings will happen. Okay. One of them is an interesting prop, but doesn't quite have the same impact that I wanted to do. The latter are the cacti. Sorry, the the fly eating plants. Yes, 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 yes. So, so Felix, the, the only thing that Felix has in his life, by all means, are those fly trap plants. Yeah, Venus fly traps with his Venus uh, fly traps, and they are they are beautiful and they are awesome, and you see quite a few close ups of him feeding flies to them. And he just and ultimately it doesn't really mean a hell of a lot other than he's got not much else going on. And of course, it's involving death. Mm. And he's a little bit obsessed with death, as both characters are, hence why they're doing this challenge. So mm. that prop was an interesting prop, nice. You know, if the other one wasn't on, on here, then maybe I could have considered Venus fly traps for the end of the year prop rankings. But no. The hoopla, Ben Woodris. Oh yeah. Oh, what a prop, what a prop. That's... Oh, it means so much. There's yeah, yeah, it's all, yeah. it's it's all the way through the film, and we're not going to spoil it. She's doing this hoopla stuff, and you think, wow, that's an interesting little hobby. Doesn't really much more. Is that like an equivalent to the Venus flytrap hobby? It's also oh, no. the way it's introduced to begin yeah. You don't see it at first. It's just a head and shoulders shot of yeah. her. And then you go, what's she doing? I then... will go into all the hoopla, de- hoopla details at the end of the year, prop rankings. Okay. Uh, but I can assure you, I will be talking about the hoopla. It's... Yeah. Uh, that gives people a chance to go watch this movie that we're both recommending, yeah. check out the hoopla, and then get ready for what I'm about to tell them about what the hoopla actually means and what it represents in this movie. Okay, okay first. Right. So, yeah. 50 or 2 whales meet on the beach. Good title, good film. Yeah. Let's move on to the City of Wild Beasts then, please, Ben. So, the City of Wild Beasts is uh, it's a Colombian film from, I think it's the first time director Henry, Henry Rincon, Henry Rincon. Um, and it's a film of two halves. Um, it's a film about a young orphan, um, Tato, I believe it's pronounced, and he lives in Medellin, and he's he's getting to getting into trouble with the local youths um, for one reason or another, and he decides to uptail and leave Medellin and um, go to stay with the grandfather that he's just learned he's got. Um, and it's very much a film of two halves. It's Tato's life in Medellin with his friends, with uh, gang members, um, trying to continue to exist in the apartment he shared with his mother before she passed away. And then it's a film about Tato living in the countryside with his grandfather doing countryside things, learning about the old way of life. Um, and it's absolutely fine. This is... Uh, <laughs> This is the Colombian movie that you can safely recommend to people who've never seen a Colombian movie before. And they will say, yep, that was absolutely fine. I would say that every single Colombian film is that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got some questions about this film. Indeed. Um, to our, our, our central character, Tato, is two different people when he's in Medellin and when he's in the countryside. I kind of prefer the Tato that we see in the countryside with his grandfather. I'm not sure if he's doing... My, my Spanish is pretty much non-existent. So I'm not sure if he's very much changing his spoken register when he talks to his grandfather because he's an old person and respect and stuff. And I don't, I, I don't know. Um, what I will say is that when he first finds his grandfather... 
his grandfather wants nothing to do with him and by that point in the film you're just kind of so desperate for Tato to catch a break that you're just oh come on Gramps please let the guy in so it's genuinely a bit heartwarming when the grandfather piece by piece slowly starts letting Tato into his life and then they start kind of growing warm together um it's Tato's life in Medellin that I've got some questions about Tato is yeah. a, a rapper um hangs out with his friends gets up to the, the the kind of things that a teenager would um here's a question for you Theo because you've also seen this film um is Tato a good rapper or not oh god uh, <laughs> very good question I, I wouldn't say it's good enough to to, to flummox me because I have got an answer okay. nobody raps well in this movie no, well, there are two rap battles, if that's what the kids are calling them these days. That... I mean, maybe, maybe that hasn't changed since 1995. I don't know. Uh, so Tato has Club two... is a bit backwards by the looks of it, so maybe, yeah. Uh, hmm. Two hip-hop duels, rap battles, <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want to call them. And it's against the same guy. And um, the film, although I say two halves, Medellin and Countryside, you've got Medellin, Countryside, Medellin, Countryside. So those two halves are kind of split into four quarters a little bit. Because he goes from Medellin to the countryside, back to Medellin, and then back to the countryside again. Um, and the rap battles happen in the Medellin scenes. And in the first one, I was kind of like, well, I don't think anyone really won that. I mean, everyone was pretty terrible there. <laughs> Scorch I mean, I'm, I, I know I'm an old man, and it's 2021, but that was horrific. And Ben's then there with his jumper and his clipboard. No, no, the diction wasn't okay. right there, I'm afraid. Zero, zero. Then he goes off to spend some time with his gramps. Heartwarming scenes, comes back to Medellin to see his friends for reasons not very clearly defined. Correct. <laughs> Particularly being that his female friend was supposed to go and live in Bogota last time they spoke, so that was confusing. Um, and then he, he has another rap battle in this return to Medellin th scene against the same guy. And in that one... The other guy is clearly better. Me with my clipboard and my my glasses on a chain. And I was going tick, 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 tick. The other guy is clearly the winner. And the, they ask the crowd who's the winner. And the, the crowd all go the other guy. So I was thinking, okay, so has Tato lost his edge because he's been spending time with his grandfather? Or am I looking at these rap battle scenes too deeply? Am I am I going into this too much? Or is 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 Tato losing his ability to be a great rapper? And uh, because he's 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 growing fonder of his grandfather, is that something that I'm supposed to think, or is that just rando? I wasn't sure. This film is fine. It's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't surprise you. Um, and you know what the end is going to be as soon as. You're like five minutes into Tato and his gramps talking, you know, what, where this film is going to end. Um, it's yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's there's nothing wrong with it at all. Theo, any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, the king of the diplomacy again. For me, this is utterly mediocre, like seriously, seriously bland. Yeah, I, I genuinely think City of Wild Beasts was the worst title for a film like this. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it creates the impression of life. Yeah. Bigger. Vim. Yeah. Yeah. The only vigor and vim in this movie are the half an hour long scenes where cocks are fighting each other. Oh, I forgot about the cockfighting. <laughs> Good Lord, I completely I, I, I genuinely think if that's all that Colombia's got to offer, then yeah. I can see I can I can just see why people get involved with drugs. Like yeah. seriously, I was so super disappointed with this movie. Yeah. Now, Colombian films always tend to be a little bit too streety for me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. You know, if it's a cultural thing, which it most definitely is, that's absolutely fine. 
Therefore, when I saw, as you say, Tato go to the countryside, mm. I thought, right, let's see something a bit different. The problem is, is it then turns into 500 other films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From yeah. English language, foreign language, all continents, all parts of the world. Yeah. The, it, it, the fact it's City of Wild Beasts made by Colombian first-time directors is completely irrelevant. Like, literally, it's one of the most unoriginal things. And I, 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 I just gave up. I just gave up. I mean, yeah. you, you're looking at South American cinema, right? And there's so much competition there. There's mm. so much. You've got Argentina and the black comedy or the slightly romantic period drama pieces, which were a bit weird yeah. or, or whatever. And, and something coming up, something coming later on, which is, mm. but mm. anyway, still it's a thing. Uh, then you've got Brazil with its artiness and it's over the top cinema. Yeah. Uh, and, and things like that. You've got Chile, which, of course, has been a flag bearer for the entire continent for years now. <laughs> like the, the, the West, as in Western Europe, loves Chilean cinema. And I, I've, I've enjoyed quite a bit of it as well. It, you know, you've got you've got you've got the ABC there and then you've got the other C, which is Colombia, which has always been the poorer, mm. always been the poorer sibling out of all of those three. And I'm yeah. afraid that nothing's changed, according to me. I've no. seen this. So, so, it, 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 Cinema's moved on a bit from doing stuff like this. It really, really has. And I have to bring up air conditioner. Yes. Like yes. that, if you want to do a film streety that's supposed to show what your country's about, yes. that then deviates and goes and does the thing, air yep. conditioner is the flag bearer for that. That is the absolute standard. Yeah, yeah. Whereas The City of Wild Beasts is the well-trodden template for that kind of film. Very that much. That I'm, I'm afraid has been replaced, doesn't really have a place anymore. I'm not going to recommend it. I'm no. not going to rush to go and meet, watch this person's next uh, film. I'm just not interested, Ben, honestly. No, no, I completely understand. I, I, I think it, it kind of... But I also agree there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> wrong with it. And, it. and it's a film of two halves. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy, crazy teens in medicine and heartwarming grandson meets grandfather who he never knew kind of film. There, there's one, I'm going to say one positive thing about this film. Just one. Um, and it's the bit where they go for a walk the grandfather and the grandson go for a walk in the countryside and the grandfather offers some boots to the grandson. The grandson's like, no, I'll be fine. And then cut to them walking through the, the thickest, deepest mud and the grandson in his um, expensive trainers just having a hell of a time. And then later on uh, washing those trainers and then being given a pair of boots by the grandfather. And that, that, it's a bit blunt and it's a bit on the nose and a bit obvious, but I found I did quite like this this whole thing about um, learning about the shoes that someone walks in and learning learning lessons from um, your scene. Washing away his former life. Washing away his former life, but then also the kind of that idea of the grandfather's boots continuing to be stepped in and be, to be trodden yeah. in by someone else. That whole side of things I quite liked, but it's a very, very small part of this film. Um, this film is, 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 yeah, like you say, it's 500 movies in one. It's difficult to recommend. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. If you're Colombian, it's probably a masterpiece. Yes. Uh, and if, if you've not had access to, you know, Maybe this is a masterpiece compared to other Colombian films, but for people like us that are just are too well knowledge and well versed in stuff, yeah, no, 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 not necessarily. That's going absolutely to not. No, right. <laughs> um, Destero now. Uh, so do you remember that film that I said I wish I watched Aurora instead? Yes. Yeah, th this is the one. Um, now we started off with a film about suicide, and now I'm moving on to another form of self harm, Ben. 
Yeah. Theo, Theo Newman deliberately choosing art installation pieces for the Outside Centre Film Podcast. <laughs> I uh, knew what I was doing. That's the yeah. concerning thing. For the listeners, I received a text message from Theo <laughs> before watching this movie about what am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? Um, uh, and I was intrigued. I was yeah. Intrigued. And I know you're going to get more out of more out of it than me. There's no doubt about that because that's how things normally go when these films come up. But uh, here we go anyway uh, with a debut full length regular feature from Maria Clara Escobar. The word regular gets thrown around a lot here. It certainly does. Um, and the reason for I say that she has made shorts and I think she's made a documentary before. She has, yeah. This is her first regular feature, but more to the point, she's also a poet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't spot that. Uh, indeed. Now, the thing about poetry is structure isn't massively important. You know, you can do what you want, depending yeah. on what kind of poem you want to do. And there's no such thing as characterization in poetry, really. You can have people in your poems, but they don't really serve any purpose for the most part. They're just kind of passing through the journey of the poem, really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about the, the, the painting and the picture that you, you kind of put together in the poem and stuff. Yeah. The thing is, Destero <laughs> is a movie. It is not a poem. So structure does matter. And yeah. so does characterization. Both of which are largely missing in this for me. Yes. Regarding Laura, who disappears and she leaves her husband and son behind. Yeah, so so let's 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 start there. So this is a film about a woman who disappears and leaves her husband and son behind and then is found dead. And Correct. then when when you say those words, people start making a picture in the head of what kind of movie this is. That picture is wrong. <laughs> Whoever... Oh, it's very much wrong. And also, yeah. the film is supposed to be in three chapters, even though there's only two. I'm fairly sure that the, the transition between one and two completely passed me by. And there wasn't anything on, sc- on screen to indicate chapter two. But no. there was for one and three. Yep. So yeah. that's the thing. Yep. Um, so when, it, when I went from one to three, I literally thought, what the bloody hell's going on here? Mm. And that phrase, what the bloody hell's going on here, is mm. somewhat apt for the entire experience of this movie. Yeah, like yeah. nearly all the conversations that take place between Laura and her husband Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm amazed he actually has a name. Like genuinely amazed he has a name. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve a name. You need the name because otherwise, how do you know who her family are talking about when they're talking about him? He or... doesn't deserve a name. He's completely yeah. bereft of any emotion. Yes. Any acting whatsoever in this risible film for me. Yeah. Like yeah. that. So therefore, I shall not refer to him as Israel. I shall refer to him as the Nothing Man. Or Otto Jr., which I believe is the actor's name. Right, so Otto Jr. slash The Nothing Man and Laura spend all the film talking absolute bollocks. And I always say that phrase with a, with a slight thing of, well, hang on, you're a podcast presenter. That's yeah. fine. This is not a podcast. This is a film that we're talking about. <laughs> so when they're talking about the minutiae level of what exactly constitutes the honeymoon as opposed yeah. to just travelling somewhere as the couple... Yeah. Yeah. As well as some sort of conversation between children about a water balloon being kicked and what it does to your leg or something. Yes, yes. Or let so, alone the people on the bus talking. The people on the bus talking absolute rubbish, which comes later. Now, you know, when she disappears, which again, you have to question absolutely everything. That, not that I could really be bothered to in the end. Mm-hmm. I'll, leave that, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. All these kind of things happening. When all this stuff allegedly happens, doesn't happen, all the rest of it. Mr. Nothing Man just sits there. Yeah. But the problem is, Mr. Nothing Man's been sitting there since the start of the film. Yeah. He was either sitting there just talking about honeymoon and minutiae detail of that, or he was just sitting there upset that his wife had gone. 
Yeah. There was no change with with Mister Nothing Man. No. No change at all. No, not even by the end of the movie. And by the end of the movie, again, Mister Nothing Man is still Mister Nothing Man. So you know, the film skips randomly. It seems to me to this sort of bus journey where Laura is supposed to, you know, where we're supposed to find out what happened to Laura and all the rest of it. Mm. But to be quite frank, I was so bored at that point. I was so disillusioned with Mister Nothing Man and everything Mister Nothing else in this film. Yeah. That I just pretty much gave up as well, Ben. I'm bored talking about it, so I'll leave it over to you now. Fair, fair dues, fair dues. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step in. I I, yeah. I didn't hate this film. There were there were bits in it that um, I really liked. It's very very. This is a really odd film. Um, without being like kind of crazy difficult experience. It's it's an art house drama. Yeah. It brought me back to the films of Ellen Catet and Bruno Forzani, who make kind of um, Italian genre homage pieces. It kind of felt like that. It's very arch. Um, it's not about real people. Um, it's it's very fake. Uh, the structure is weird. So um, you kind of see the end of the movie, or not the end of the movie, but things are shown out of sequence, so you don't really know what's going on. And then you get shown in the last third, you get shown a whole bunch of things that you think will answer things for you, but no answers are given. Uh, it jumps here and there. There are musical sequences in the film as well. There's, I think, three kind of music video type moments. Um, see how you feel about them. I liked one of them uh, and that was it. Um, one thing I will say positive about this movie is that it seems to have kind of tapped into a COVID era sense of ennui, despite being made before COVID happened. I think it kind of lucked into that one. Everyone kind of feeling very distant and separate from each other. Um, that's what's going on in Destero. Uh, some of the attention to detail in the home life stuff I enjoyed. I like the fact that this is, it's about the minutia of home life rather than the kind of like the general story of home life. It's about the little details about stuff in the sink, <clears throat> things on the table. Some of the conversations in the kitchen, I noticed that um, Laura and Israel change places during the conversations, which made me think we're not watching one conversation here. We're watching several conversations over a span of time that all equally go nowhere whatsoever. <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of interesting if that's what's happening. Or perhaps they just screwed up the continuity and Laura sitting in the wrong chair. <laughs> I don't know. Um, some of my favorite bits in this film do not involve uh, our two main characters, Laura and Israel. So, some of my favorite bits in this involve random passers-by on the bus, on the subway, just having a chat. Those were kind of my... My favorite bits here i also kind of a big fan of the mystery guy on the bus and the strange relationship that him and laura um have there, there, there were moments that i liked in this i like the the bit where um mr nothing man is following the lady carrying a baby and then we're just kind of watching a baby for a bit i was into that and then was that the same baby as the baby on the bus i think it was um mm. that was random um yeah this is this is an art house drama um if you like uh slow art house drama films that don't really go anywhere and look nice um then you will like this <clears throat> but it's um yeah it's it's not for everyone um it doesn't answer any questions <clears throat> it's it reminded me of a 
God damn I'm not sure it asks any questions as well, I might add. It doesn't ask any questions. It just shows you things and yeah. I guess asks you how you feel about them. It, it doesn't resolve anything. So this is a film about a wife who goes missing and dies. Um, why does she go missing? I don't know. Why is it, how does she die? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, maybe it doesn't matter how people die or why they go missing. Maybe the bigger stuff is what matters. Does it... Yeah, I, I did find mr nothing man a little bit frustrating after a while um it's not acting i mean will smith did that in another earth i mean come on it's just just sitting there or standing there it's not acting i'm afraid although although having said that he he did one bit of acting in this film and it was actually probably my favorite little flash scene of the entire thing running to the music actually no it was a swimming pool scene when was the swimming pool scene so there was a there was a little party that went on with a family or something yeah and um I think off camera, one of the parents shouts, don't jump in there. Yeah. One of the kids starts swimming in the wrong end of the pool. Yeah. And again, off camera, Mr. Nothing Man, you just hear this enormous splash of him jumping in to save one of his children. Right. And then he, and then he gets out. But it's all off camera. So I thought, that's quite interesting. You don't, you don't see anything happen. And yet you know exactly what happened. That's... That was a moment of class, that was, uh, in a film that was just, you know, drudge <laughs> for me. Yeah, um, but the fact that you can't even remember that says a lot as well, really. So, I think one of the problems in this is that you kind of know what Laura wants out of life and what she or she, what she feels ambivalent about. She's not sure about her place as a mother and a wife, and she's not really sure what she wants. And and you presume that she goes missing because she's perhaps looking for some other kind of life, which she never articulates, and that's fine. But Israel, Mister Nothing Man. Never says anything about anything. Um, so we really we d- did. He even like his wife. I mean, that's a that's a clear point as well. Maybe maybe. Uh, she, I mean, she, yeah. She she obviously maybe became disillusioned with him. Yeah. Hence why. Hence the conversation of what is a honeymoon? Are we actually married anymore? Kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, did they uh, never got married in the first place? That was exactly the, that was so, the point. Uh, it's like um. Hmm. But even then, it was like ugh, I. I it was so ambiguous that I, I, I genuinely can't form any opinions other than Mr. Nothing Man just didn't do anything. Like, whether they loved each other or not, I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'll say it's a handsome film. It looks nice. Um, it's okay. well shot. Um, it's okay. it, it turns, you know, tedious domestic existence into art house cinema. It's like, a tedious yeah. domestic art house, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, upside to everything. Turn no, it's accurate. I'll give it, yeah, I'll give it a tick for its uh, accuracy of tediousness and tedium, yeah. I should say. Should we get out of Brazil? Should we go to... Yeah, uh, let, should we go no. to Argentinian Indy? Are we going to Argentina? I, I was 100% confused throughout this entire film as to where the goddamn hell we were. Yeah. yeah. It, it, well, bear in mind, they, men- they mentioned... Uh, I th- I'm sure Peron got mentioned at some point, I think. Okay, so... So, yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're, we're, not, we're in Argentina. So we're in a different era, but that's not exactly... Well, we're, we're in La Chica Nueva, or The New Girl. We which, are indeed. Uh, again, which, um, indie film from Argentina... I mean, but uh, it's, it's strange. Like, it's a strange, strange little film, is it not, Ben? So take it, it away. It's a strange film. It largely takes place in Tierra del Fuego, and our central character, the new girl, comes from Argentina. There's a lot of talk of Chile, so I was kind of like, all the, honestly, the whole way through this film, I was thinking, is this an Argentinian film or a Chilean film? What is wh- who owns Tierra del Fuego? Well, not that any of this matters, anyway. So to cut to the chase, New Girl is about, what's her name, Jimena, um, who travels, this this girl we see who's living, um, 
a life of no home. She's just sleeping in hair salons that you're presuming she gets a job in and then stays there and sleeps there and then steals products and then sells them in places. So that's our hero, the new girl. Um, she's living a kind of hand to mouth existence, stealing stuff, sleeping places where she's not allowed to sleep. And then she travels to Tierra del Fuego to see her brother who is her half-brother. Um, so they have same father, different mothers. Um, there's some kind of family history that we don't really find everything out about. And then her and her brother, um, Mariano, live together in yep. Tierra del Fuego. He gets her a job in a factory, um, which is making products for the World Cup. Um, and it's, it's a, a very temporary job um this this job only exists as long as the world cup is out there um and mariano is doing illegal sales to a kind of local hood to try and get enough money to set up his own business so we're, we're introduced to this lady who is living a kind of hand-to-mouth steely existence and then she goes to see her brother who is kind of doing the same thing but on a yep. higher level with the expectation that pretty soon he's going to be able to stop all this and just move into a legit business uh and then the film becomes about unions in the factory um because Jimena um forms a very strong friendship with a female colleague at, at work which i'm is is it more than a friendship i'm not sure this is one of those films where this is social realism filmmaking um this is outside you're just watching people from the outside you rarely find out what people are thinking what their motivations are i don't have a problem with any of that i kind of like all that kind of staring and watching and learning about people's stuff yeah um i wasn't 100 percent sure if this is a film about redemption people living on the edges the unions um the necessity for money whether it's better to work or to it could be about all of those things i'm not sure um i really didn't hate this film at all i thought it was it was absolutely fine um, it gets to the end and then it kind of turns into something like a heist movie, which was odd, kind of like a Jean-Luc Godard heist movie. In <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was fine. It was short and snappy. Um, yeah. And I got to see a lot of Tierra del Fuego, which I don't think I've seen before. How do, how do you feel about it? I, I would imagine that you were OK with this. But not- yeah. Exactly correct. Um, but it was a strange little film. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I will say is this. We've already talked about a couple of dodgy characters in a film, i.e. 50, mm. uh, and how they were very, very dubious people, but fantastic performances. I've got to say, in terms of the dodginess stakes, <laughs> these two, this brother and sister, oh, my Lord, they are dodgy. They are. But then they but are. She, she stops being dodgy-ish, kind of-ish. I think it's always in her. I really, really do. Uh, we'll come on to that in a bit anyway, uh, with, a, with a particular scene that really, really, really confused the hell out of me. But, uh, yeah, I like this permanent scowl that both of them have on their face at all times, as if, yeah. right, you know what, we are just crooked people. And that, I, I, I like the casting of it, I like the performance of that, absolutely fine. Um, then the film does get very strange. Like, it, it stops being, for me, an exploration into capitalist Argentina. Then it turns into a film about socialist Argentina. Yes. So all the stuff about the strugs in the mobile phone factory where they're testing batteries and stuff, mm. um, I just don't quite get the juxtaposition that's going on here. 
you've got on because oh, is she saying that it's the socialists and the capitalists are both the downfall of Argentina? Is one better than the other? Mm-hmm. Are they equally as culpable? In which mm-hmm. case, who's left is the key point because yep. pretty much that's pretty much how it is everywhere in the world. You've got one or the other. Um, so I'm not really convinced the film's about that. Therefore, I'm not really sure what the film is actually about. Yes. Um, so, and uh, uh, yeah, you've mentioned that weird romantic situation. Yeah. Where the the uh, dodgy sister um, then maybe we kind of has a crisis of conscience all of a sudden. Yep. Uh, maybe she changes her ways, but I would like some explaining about the caged door scene, please. I, I, I'm not going to be able to give you any explanation about the cage door scene. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think she's uh, our lead girl is doing something good. She, she's worked out a way that her brother can untangle himself from these hoods, but she has to do something yeah. he wouldn't let her do. So she just does it without without going into spoilers. <laughs> she does something at the end. Um, to kind of to get to tidy up this whole mess, which is temporarily confusing, but I think she's doing it with good intentions. And um, like I said, this is this is watching people from the outside filmmaking. No one ever explains their motivations or what they're thinking. Yeah. Um. So you, it's kind of like a Dardenne Brothers film. You, you just you're watching people doing things. Well, Ben, that's every film ever made. Not exactly. Um, it really is a kind of you, you don't know why people are doing things they're doing kind of movie. And that's fine. I've got no problem with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we are not seeking answers for absolutely right. everything. But I've got no answer for the cage door. I can't know that. But the thing is, that was particularly jarring, that scene. Yeah. Where, where it literally I went, right. I actually thought I knew what maybe this film was trying to say. Now I'm just full on confused. It and it is, important, it is important that we have a grasp. We have a personal grasp, whether we have different opinions or not, on what a film is actually setting out to do. That would always, always help yeah. any film's case with yeah. me. And yeah. when you've got something like 50, which the only question I can ask is whether it glorifies suicide, well, that's a, that, that's a debate far, far, far bigger than, than just a film. Yeah, that that's assisted suicide, and he goes into all that other kind of stuff. Um, so that that in itself, you can't answer this. I just feel that it just needed that little bit more clarity about what the film's core message was actually about. I mean, to be to be fair to the film, it ends with a a union song, right? Yeah, over and over, and so maybe this film is leaning on the side of sure. stronger together, that kind of thing. Maybe. I mean, yeah, which would fit in with well, if you're going to blame both of them, then both sets of groups, then they may as well just unite and fight against the police. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that that's yeah, that's fine. But again, the fact that we're kind of having to extrapolate so much to get to that point, it's just yeah. a bit. I don't, it, it could have been even better. It was fine as it was, but yeah. it could have been better. I and mean, that's the key point. It's not a disaster at all. It's clearly my second favorite film this month. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, Argentinian indie films. I can't say I've, I can't say I've seen too many of them. I've got to um, say I, I forgot to mention this. Um, Michaela Gonzalo is the writer director behind yeah. it. It's her first feature film. Um, this is this is not a City of Wild Beasts in any way. It is not. Oh, no. This is not a middle of the road, run of the mill um, drama film. This is not an arch Brazilian film made by a poet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a good strong first feature film. If 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 this was your first feature film in your back pocket, bravo, well done. Indeed, yeah, yeah that, that there's yeah. I'm I'm not necessarily going to put her on my list of emergencies next next viewings, <laughs> but uh, like at all costs, I must watch this person's next film. 
But equally, if it comes up, I'll, I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember that rather strange Argentinian indie movie that was okay at, uh, for the most part. Going next. Yes, let's see what's, what's happening next. So that's it. That's... <laughs> Where, essentially, the winning film was about two teenagers who wanted to top themselves. And yeah. did. But it's, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, of course there is. Of course there is. But the thing is, there isn't. So... <laughs> No, no, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff as always. I, I, didn't, I didn't come back to my smoking. I've got to, I've got to go. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah, so I've done no, the prop, no, no, the no, prop fine, suggestion. Fine, 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 fine. Oh, and, and there is also a prop I need to mention in that film before we actually do round off. Yes, yes. No, um, the, the winner this month in the smoking stakes is 50 or two wells meet on a beach. Um, it, it, it makes a, a key point of smoking is Felix, the main character, who relentlessly smokes throughout the film. <laughs> told, can, can you please stop smoking your room? Sure thing. And then goes and smokes in his room. Um, he likes, he chain smokes one cigarette after another. And then there's a delightful little scroll through the images of cancer riddled lungs. Which yeah, I, that's right. I forgot about that when you told me about the match. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just care uh, about smoking. Yeah, so <laughs> two wells meet on the beach is the, the winner in the smoking That's stick. the smoking rankings. Well, yeah. I think Hoopla certainly, certainly got Hoopla to consider for props. But yeah. also, in the Argentinian indie film The New Girl, mm-hmm. bearing in mind that his room was full of clutter, the yeah. dodgy brother, full yeah. of clutter, all sorts of different products, the one that stood out to me the most was the musical Mirror. Oh my god, I don't even remember the musical mirror. Musical what? mirror is two halves of a mirror and one of them lights up and it plays the music when her dodgy sister's shaving dodgy brother. Which is uh, which is which is also an interesting thing. Like why can't he shave himself? Yeah. So that that's what elevates it to potential prop rankings. So I now have to go and consider why he wasn't able to shave himself. I think is... that's that's her coming from a hairdressing background going, I'm good at True. I'm good then, at but but then what happens is at a moment of crisis later on in that film, um I believe the music of that mirror is in the background. I'm fairly sure. Wasn't paying enough attention. And I, well, I, I, if I, my, I am tuned into props. So if, yep. I, if I'm to hear a prop but can't see that prop, but I know exactly what prop it is, that's got my attention. So I might have to go revisit that, actually, okay. and, uh, and consider. But I think that might be a multi-layered mirror, that one. Okay. Little things going on with that. Uh, so you've got that and the hoopla this month. Yeah. So uh, there's two strong props there for consideration for the end of the year. Right, that really is it. <laughs> you've got your smoking, you've got your props, and you've got your suicide. That is a typical Outside Centre Fun podcast episode. We will be back uh, next month with what we think might be two festivals in one episode. Yeah. So that'll be pretty damn exciting. Me and Ben are going to go our separate plane journeys this time. Then we'll share, and then we'll report back. So uh, you've got that to look forward to. In the meantime, enjoy the weather if you've got some, and we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>